And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. While the Midwest and Plains states are working through a major winter storm this week, and one meteorologist expects more rain and snow in the future. Kirk Hins, president of business development at BAM WX LLC, says for some, there's significant moisture ahead. I think really that it's going to come down to a state divided, even even from Kansas to Nebraska. I think you draw a line in a half part of the state further east. There's significant moisture ahead, and that is going to be a consequence of the transition from La Nina to El Nino, and more so this increased moisture, which is basically a consequence of the stronger jet stream from El Nino is going to continue as we're going into February, January, February, March. Basically, every stronger El Nino on record brings moisture in from Nebraska to Kansas, northern Oklahoma, the western part of the Ag Belt that has been so dry the last three to five years because of the significant change from three straight La Ninas, the last one being the strongest one, now a strong El Nino. It's that shock, finally, that I believe is going to bring in the moisture uh, especially earlier and more timely than what we've seen. So I, I, I do think a, a real change is coming. For the lucky ones, that means drought relief is on the way. I would typically say no, but because of the strength of this El Nino and the strength of this jet stream, what does that mean? That means low pressure systems. That means widespread, heavier rain versus that scattered type of rain that, you know, we get a little bit of improvement and then it, it kind of settles down. This These are real moisture loaded systems and in consecutive ones. So I do think, again, I think further off to the east is, is going to be that, that greater potential. And Hens is even more confident for moisture this spring. I think that's an even better time frame, to be honest with you. Statistically, maybe three out of every four El Ninos March into April are normal to above normal moisture. Some of them are very, very heavy. And, and like almost like last season, uh, there was some, some earlier on season rains. I think we can see another year of, of something similar. I think it's a, a very, very positive look on a reduction of, a continued reduction of the drought. So I, again, I think that is a, uh, an overall consequence of the transition from La Nina to El Nino. We're already seeing it. Uh, again, it's it's a slow process. This is the number one thing we had to happen, though, is the transition to a stronger El Nino to get a consistent reduction in that drought that's not temporary. That's Kirk Hens with BAM WX. Well, the commodity markets are paying attention to a couple of key factors influencing price movement. Joe Vaklovic, founder and president of Standard Grain, says there are two things traders are watching. I think it's Brazil weather and maybe lack of demand, I guess, would be the two things. Soybean export inspections were like the lowest seasonally in 12 years last week. It's not a good sign. He says the demand drop-off begins with China. I think there's some issues with China. China's the biggest soybean buyer, and they're... Crush margins are negative, so the, the crushers who crush beans in China aren't making money. Brazil, even though they have crop problems, supposedly, they're still cheaper than we are on the export market. Beans landed in China anyways, which is the one that really matters. So you're seeing weak demand. You could probably say the same thing for corn to maybe a little bit lesser extent. The export book there has actually improved a little bit. It just hasn't been enough to rally the market by any stretch. U.S. bean prices have to come down to be more competitive, but the story is different in corn. Well, they have come down, and I don't know how far down they need to come to be competitive. Corn is competitive. We are competitive on the export market. We just haven't seen an uptick in business. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point, especially if you ran into a Brazilian weather problem with this second crop, I wouldn't be shocked if China or somebody else stepped up their U.S. corn purchases. That's something that I'm not going to say is going to happen, but it's something that could rally prices at some point in time. We saw China buy U.S. corn last year during the winter and spring, and then they eventually canceled a bunch of it. But even those initial purchases, if something like that were to repeat, I think would be positive 
positive. Brazil's weather and crop conditions have had a big influence on the markets since late last year. They were really dry in October, November, and then the rains kind of normalized to some extent in December, and they're normalizing more so in January. And that's a big part of the reason why the soybean market's backed off. You go back to like the early, mid part of November when it was really dry and the forecast didn't look good. Beans were at 14 bucks. There was a lot of uncertainty surrounding Brazilian production. And I think the general thought now is that, no, the crop's not going to be as good as we thought maybe it would be prior to the season, but it's not going to be a train wreck either. That's Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. Well, lack of snow cover has Wisconsin dairy producers concerned about the health of their alfalfa crop. Jerry Clark of the University of Wisconsin Extension says with no snow, a cold snap could wipe out the alfalfa crop. That's the biggest issue right now, I think, is the weather. You know, we say, oh, this weather is great and it's easy to drive around. Yeah, for getting around on the roads. But from an agricultural standpoint, especially Wisconsin and their alfalfa industry, this is starting to get a time to worry because we do have in the forecast below average temperatures, which means that soil temperature is really going to start to drop without that snow cover. All it takes is a couple inches and it'll protect that soil temperature. But once we get soil temperatures below around 15 degrees, that's when alfalfa is going to die. It can't handle that cold. Cold temperature. Clark says cover crops can tolerate the colder temperatures better, but not entirely. You'll see winter wheat be a little bit more tolerable, but regardless, they still can't withstand those really cold soil temperatures. So we could see some decrease in you know winter survival on some of those winter crops. The winter rye looks really good right now. It's still growing in some cases, so it's kind of a wild year to see that happening. But yes, I think if this happens where we continue no snow cover, we get these uh, bitter cold temperatures, and we got to watch that soil temperature. I mean, dandelions will die in some of these cases so these crops can have an issue moving forward. A lack of snow cover also means lower soil temperatures in the spring delaying planting. Frost levels will definitely go deeper when we don't have that snow cover. If we all recall, last year had snow cover early, mid-December, early December, we already had snow cover, and it stayed all winter. Farmers talked about putting fence posts in the ground all winter, those kind of things. That's not going to be the case this year if if this continues where we have this no cover and then these below average temperatures that are predicted. So I think there is when we're going to see frost levels go deep. Of course, that could be what takes a while in the spring for that frost to come out. And Clark adds it's really a game of wait and see regarding what the season will bring. Of course, some parts of Wisconsin are being impacted by this week's winter weather and getting some snow cover, but it'll be interesting to see how much snow cover happens in the state and how much effect there is on the alfalfa crop. Well, the Philippines extended reduced tariff rates on imported pork for the third consecutive year. The in-quota duty remains 15%, while the out-of-quota rate is 25%. Under the lower tariffs and higher access volume, U.S. pork exports to the Philippines increased to a record $205 million in 2021, a 79% hike. But after the increased quota amount expired on January 31st of 2022, exports fell that year to about $135 million, and for 2023, they will likely be around $120 million. The National Pork Producers Council says the Philippines is an important Asian market for America's pork industry. Now, with more than 109 million people and a cultural preference for pork, the island nation is a top 10 market for U.S. pork exports. In May of 2021, in response to a pork shortage caused by African swine fever, the Philippines first lowered the import duties and increased the minimum access value. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today. If you have stories for the program, send them to me via email, jesseatlin at americanagnetwork.com. 
It's been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.